Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about scenario-based games. You know, those games that have variable setup, but instead of being random, they're based on a scenario you select before playing. How are these games different versus those that have random setup? Do you play the same scenario over and over, or do you move on once you've beat the scenario? Can you do more with a scenario game, or is it a limiting factor because there are only so many scenarios to play? And yes, Chris is going to talk about Cthulhu, Death May Die, again. Yep. I am. Uh, but first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gift of Games in Grace Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well. Okay, so uh, our weekly reminder, we're on Zoom. So if you want to listen to us record live and our pre-show banter about, I don't know, it wasn't important. I've already blocked all of it out of my head. Um, <laughs> something about pregnancy and pain and, and blocking, blocking things, things out of your out head. Of our head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then you can join us. Uh, just go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live, and there'll be a link to click on. And that's typically every Monday at 8.30. Uh, since we started doing this, we've been pretty central, much central every time. Monday at 8.30. 8.30 central time. Yep. Um, and then we also, this is our last week to get questions in for our giveaway. I'll give you all the details at the end of the show. But the long and short of it is... Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Subject questions you have until the 17th of May 2020. Um, and next week is our question episode. There's a lot of good questions already. I, I, I go down the rabbit hole of starting to read the questions like, <laughs> no, not going to read them. Not yeah, yet, not I yet. Say, I looked at some of the emails and I was like, no, I don't want to like think about the answers too much because then I feel like nope. they're not as, not as genuine. I don't know. It's it's much better off the cuff. Every once in a while, there's like a research thing. It's like, well, what about this? Or what's the best of that? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I let you do that. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, there's some good ones. Uh, so what have you guys been up to? Fletcher, it's been a week. Uh, yeah. Um, man, what have I been doing? It seems like a blur. Getting ready for <laughs> my new dog that I'm going to be getting at the end of the month. Buying lots of dog stuff. Where are you getting? Oh, this is yeah. You told us what a week. The ago, golden retriever ago? puppy. It must have been two yeah. weeks. Yeah, ago, golden I was retriever there. puppy. <laughs> yep. I listen. That's, that is fun <laughs> and exciting. Yep. It also stresses me out, but reading lots of dog books because I haven't had a dog before, so just learning what to do. They I'm sure basically it'll prepare take... you just as much as the baby books do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take tell that me how you will. <laughs> like, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, just. Crate training is not cruel. Yeah. Dogs like their crate. Um, and really, that's that's the one thing is just get out of your head that it's cruel. It's not. It's less no, far less cruel than it. other methods. Yeah. Um, otherwise, dogs pretty much are like, I, like I said, it, it stresses me out. I was a uh, adoption counselor at uh, Paws Chicago for like five or six years. It still stresses me out more to get a dog than the baby that's arriving in September. <laughs> in some ways, they're more work. Yeah. But usually you get more sleep, so. <laughs> Probably. that That is true. Especially if you put the crate, if you have a crate that goes in your bedroom where they can, like, see and smell you all night, they usually just go to sleep in there, and it's cool. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about the dog or the baby? <laughs> um, the dog, because the baby, baby you can crate that all you want. It's going to keep crying. <laughs> good. Good point. Yeah. No, you you will have fun. Actually, I think Carmen will have more fun with the dog. Well, I don't know. You might have fun with the dog too. I'm assuming both of you are looking forward to the dog. Yeah, we are. So, 
Yeah. So, Kitty, it's been two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I was actually sick last week or if just player three was sick and I was exhausted. So I told myself I was sick, but I just I was asleep before eight. So I needed that rest. Growing a human is very hard work. (laughs) I had one one option to go to. And Sydney, bless her heart, she's like, but I have to get work done. I'm like, it's only an hour. Please join me. She's like, (laughs) she did a great job. (laughs) I thought she did, too. Um, And again, I forgot the subject already again. (laughs) Liking games. Liking Liking the idea of games. (laughs) So you said you just listened to the episode. What did you think? I did. I thought it was very good. I thought you guys really covered all the bases. I, I... Loved how much you guys talked about books, even though I wasn't there to talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had to throw the uh, throwback at you. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I forgot what I was going to say, but I do. I, it was a fun episode. I liked talking about it. And oh, wait, here's. Yeah, this is the question. So you don't normally <laughs> listen to these the, the podcast, right? I don't. You're part of the conversation. Yeah. So how was it to actually listen to us? Well, I always listen if I'm not on it. And I like it. I like right. our podcast or I wouldn't be on it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have quietly left years ago. You did so mention you- that it's been like almost four years now. And that like yeah. blew my mind. Because yep. I had not done su- that math. <laughs> we have a surprise for episode 200. Um, it's not much of a surprise if you've been following us at all. You p- can probably <laughs> guess what that is. But... Um, I have confirmed that there will be a surprise on episode 200. <laughs> and yeah, but I used to, so the first 50 episodes, I was li- like for the first year, I listened to every single one of them. And then when Sydney started listening to it, she would report back to me on everything. So yeah, I'm like, oh, we listened well, for like technical issues and yeah. like mistakes. But I still find myself, if I do like play the first like three minutes, I don't stop. I just keep listening because I'm like, oh yeah, these people are compelling. I can listen to this. <laughs> Whereas I stop listening guy. after two minutes because I find myself talking over myself saying the same things. And it's like, <laughs> I've been here before. I don't know. I just think that Chris guy has a lot of good points. His co-hosts are a little <laughs> off track oftentimes, but... Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, this week, let's see, what did I do? Um, I painted my big... Well, I finished painting... I 95% finished painting <laughs> my giant Cthulhu. So um, many qualifiers. Yeah. Well, because it's one of those things where it's taken me so long to do. So this is the 22-inch tall Cthulhu min- miniature. I mean, it's a miniature Cthulhu, but it's giant. How much does it weigh? Uh, it actually doesn't weigh that much because it is made of like two or three kinds of material so that... The base is made of kind of a hollow plastic, and then much of the Cthulhu is made with sort of almost like a soft um, plastic, and then the top different parts of it are made of like more miniature hard plastic. But I would say not more than a pound. It maybe about a pound. It's, wow, it that's a, weighs that's about less than the. I thought it would be. Yeah, it looks well, like I it. Should should, actually, yeah, I was trying to figure out if my unborn child weighs more or less than Cthulhu. <laughs> he weighs he weighs less than a newborn baby. But, yeah, I'm, but right I'll now weigh him. I'm only at like I think the baby's like four pounds now ish. Yeah, I'll I'll weigh him because I don't know. I mean, is he I'm weigh curious. more than an iPad? I think the iPad weighs more than him, but I'm not sure because it's it's bulkier too. <laughs> when you're lifting it, you have to like two Heft. hands. 
Um, <laughs> so Michael Yannikowski <laughs> just asked if I'm going to put Cthulhu near the front door so guests can see it when they come visit. And yes, I actually am. Um, there's a table right when you walk in. So I'm going to put it right there. He's going to C- hand Cthulhu a tray that has like towels <laughs> on it for guests. Or dares. Put your coat on Cthulhu. <laughs> no, you need to just articulate the arm like one of those cats. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it just goes Cthulhu. up and down. Yeah, like one of those uh, but, cats. But it took me, like I said, it took me like 10 or six, ten to 16 hours. I, I didn't measure exact, but I'm probably thinking closer to 16 hours. Uh, but now it's just down to the, like the minor details where no one else has no- could notice them because you're not looking for them. But I'm like, oh, there's some primer that's not covered and some of the pustules on top. So I have to turn the whole thing upside down and make sure that I cover everything. And I changed the color of the wings and I've changed a few other colors, but it's... I, I just look at it sometimes like, wow, that turned out really, really cool. You so should tweet a picture I'm gonna, of it. I'll put a, a picture up on Twitter. Um, follow me, Game Master Chris. And you will see... I'm actually going to put a video, a 360 video. So I'm, I have a little uh, Lazy Susan. I'm going to pop it on and then do a full 360. <laughs> but yeah, so I was going to make fun of you, but then I realized I have one for cake decorating. So I have no, <laughs> I have no leg to stand on. <laughs> I actually got it literally just to play games on, so that I could do like a two-player game and spin it back and forth and play like a two-player game from one side. Nice. Yeah, that's what I did. Speaking All of right, culinary so tools, I got out my blowtorch <laughs> today and made creme brulee. That Ooh. is it was culinary-ish. Really it's extremely culinary. Who has a blowtorch? Um, I do not have a just blowtorch. I did sugar. just order a <laughs> bike pump for the stroller, though, because the tires on the stroller are getting flat. Same thing. You know, you need it's to similar. blow up your souffle instead of caramelizing <laughs> a creme brulee. All right. Let's talk about games that have scenarios, shall we? So what? I put something in here because we do tend to get off on tangents and definitions. What? Um. We do, sometimes. No. So I'm going to put this out here. I put it in bold. This yeah. is for Fletcher and Kitty, but I'm just going to say it out loud so everyone's on the same page. Are legacy or campaign games scenario games? That's the question mark. The answer, which is definitive and cannot be argued, is sometimes. But in this episode, it's not what we're talking about. We're not defining what a scenario game is. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. We're talking about the differences between scenario games and other kinds of games. So if there's a legacy or campaign game that feels scenario-ish, we'll talk about it. But it's not like, oh, well, that's not really a scenario game. It's You know when you see it, right? There's some games that are just absolutely, yes, this is a scenario game. Um, so, and, the, yeah. So let me get into an example of what, specifically what I'm talking about. And Cthulhu Decimate Eye is one of them, but I'm not going to talk about that first. <laughs> I was going to say, the really? We starting there? Are we starting with it? <laughs> no. We're going to start with a different Simon game, which is Zombie Side. Um, which is, or Zomba Side, no, no, Zombie Side, Zomba Side. Um, it's the first one that came to my mind as a scenario game. A lot of cooperative games are scenario based. It doesn't have to be. And there's some other games we'll talk about that are not cooperative. A lot of dueling games are scenario based as well. But so with Zombie Side, I did it again. Zombicide, you <laughs> are pick a scenario, and you set up the board, you set up the map, you set up basically all the spawn points, where your characters start, are all based on the scenario for that particular game. And it got me... when For Zombicide, I don't really think about it too much, because the scenarios seem just kind of rather 
eh, they're generic. I'm looking for a difficulty that falls in the range that I'm looking for. Pick that scenario and go. Everything's good. Then, and I'm not going to go too, well, I'm going to go briefly into a description of how these games play. So if you've never played them before, you have an idea. The way Zombicide works is each person's controlling a character um, or more. You typically have six characters on the on the board that are split up amongst the number of players. And the characters all take a turn. And then, well, each character takes a turn and then the zombies go, I think. Yeah. Um, so after each character, zombies go, characters go, you, zombies go back and forth, back and forth. Um, I think it's after every character goes, the zombies can have something bad happen. You're running around, try to kill the zombie, try to complete the goal. Simple enough. Cthulhu Death May Die. I think a lot less people have played this. So I'm going to... And it's much more fresh on my mind. But the way the Cthulhu Death May Die works is you pick an episode and you pick an elder one. And you combine those two things together... And that's the scenario you're playing. Um, the episode typically tells you how to disrupt the ritual. Once the ritual is disrupted, the Elder God is the one you're trying to kill. The Elder God does affect how the game plays throughout the entire, from the very beginning. But it really is at the end that he comes into play, literally comes into play on the board. So if I'm playing scenario or episode one with Cthulhu, and then I can play episode one with Haster. And then I can play episode one with Dagon, or whoever that happens to be. And let's see. Um, Kitty, do you have a scenario-based game that you can think of that you like? Would Betrayal fall under a scenario-based game? Or is it semi? It's. I would throw it under a semi-scenario-based game. But yes, it doesn't start like one, right? It doesn't start as one, but you. I feel like you trigger a scenario within the yep. game. And, and once you hit that trigger, then it becomes, it becomes. a scenario. Yep. And and that is actually a good one to think about, too, because the question I'm about to ask, it, it plays into that piece. Um, Fletcher, do you know any scenario-based games that you have you know, played? I was thinking, I mean, not like true scenario-based games. I've definitely, I mean, there's obviously um, the Kingdom Death Monster and, um, you know, other games like that that I've played. But Gloomhaven? I don't think I've ever played. And yeah, Gloomhaven, but that's not Gloomhaven. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I know we're not really talking about that, but it's not like a true scenario-based game. So I would say I, I don't think I have. Yeah, well, I, I would say Kingdom Death and Gloomhaven do count in their own way, especially Gloomhaven. Um, mm. I mean, he specifically calls them scenarios in, in the book, and Kingdom Death is there is variable setup in the different scenarios. So if you're fighting the giant lion. What that lion's doing is a, there's a little bit of variable setup to it, but you're still fighting the lion, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw a couple more that are kind of dueling out there. Um, Funcoverse, because it's on my table. This one <laughs> is a scenario-based tactical dueling game. Set up the map. Here's your starting points. Pick your characters and go. Uh, Undaunted. Uh, is another one, which is a deck-building scenario game. So you basically set up the map. Here are your pieces. It's asymmetric, so you have one army, I have a different army, and our goals are a little bit different because we're not trying to knock each other out. We're trying to complete different goals. Um, I will mention the one-and-done scenario games, so things like Chronicles of Crime, Time Stories, basically any escape room game. These are scenario games that typically you only play once. Time Stories is a little unique in that, though. It is. Because the way you play once, you still play it multiple times. Yep. 
So unless you're in the second that's version true. of them, the first and then, and then is, is season one, or the the white box season. Yep, um, yep. Detective would fall into this category as well, uh, which is a more well known Chronicles of Crime. I prefer Chronicles of Crime over Detective, but they're the same basic idea. And it's funny the designers live like thirty minutes away from each other. Um, but Detective is another one of those things where once you solve the case, you wouldn't necessarily play that case again because you know the solution. Um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yep. Another one there. Another one there. Now we can do an, ent- an entire thing on just that. <laughs> um, Miles just mentioned Imperial Assault is that, which would also, you could also say Descent. Uh, those types of games where one versus many. Uh, Mansions of Madness is another scenario type of game. Um, Arkham- now, when we get into campaign games, um, I noted Arcadia Quest, which is a, a linked scenarios. And Arkham Horror, the card game, is also linked scenarios. But Ar- Arkham Horror 3rd Edi- Third Edition, the board game, or basically any Arkham Horror, the board game. Um, actually, I don't know. I can't say for 1st and 2nd Edition. But 3rd Edition is definitely a scenario where you're picking, this is the scenario we're playing. And then as a counterexample, we're going to use two different... Uh, one is a game. I'm just going to call it Pandemic. Not a scenario game, not at all. But each time you play it, it it you just play the same quote unquote scenario over and over and over again. Um, and then any game with like a random setup, uh, which you can almost every Euro game out there has some kind of random setup. They're not scenarios; they're just random setups. Um, so those are kind of our foundations for what we're talking about. And then the question I have is when you're playing a scenario game, and let's go with um, Betrayal on House, because we've all played Betrayal on House of the Hill, right? If you were to trigger the same haunt, would you say, uh, say you played, yes, we played it last week, and we triggered haunt number 15. We played it this week, and just miraculously, we picked the same exact one. Would <laughs> you say, okay, well, this is the scenario, or would you be like, eh, let's tweak it a little bit and choose a different one? I think if it's literally two in a row, yeah, I I would tweak it if it was two in a row. But if it's been like, you know, oh, well, last week we played three scenarios and it happened to be one of those, maybe not. And it depends, you know, like, did we somehow stumble into like a weird time loop where like the same person is against the others? Because is it the same rooms set up on the board? I don't know. Maybe just go with it because... There's so much variability even within the scenarios in that game that it's going to be different. I would agree. Um, I agree with your last statement. I would also say it <laughs> depends on how many of the scenarios we've played. Yes. Is this the w- second time and suddenly we triggered the same one two in a row? It's the only two times we play the game? No, we're not doing that. We've played this game a million times. We've triggered all the scenarios. We've played through all of the haunts. Then... Yeah, what what's the difference between playing them close together or far apart? You know, things things will be different. I feel like if we've discovered yeah. all there is to discover. Fletcher? Uh, I was going to say, like, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a limited number of haunts. So it, it just depends on timing. Like, if you just did that one recently, it's like, well, maybe you'll tweak it and change it or something like that. But eventually you'll hit it again. And if it was six months ago when you last hit it, it's like, fine. Hopefully the people are different and the setup is different. So... It should be different enough. So this leads me to the ultimate question that I have here, because I agree with you. I 100% agree that if it's close enough, if we remember the scenario most recently, um, 
then yeah, we might tweak it to play something else because we just did this one. Let's do something different. However, every other board game that's not scenario-based, we're playing the same one over and over and over. Why do we feel so different? So we'll use betrayal, like alternate reality betrayal. (laughs) When the haunt happens, it's always the same haunt. It's not a look it up in the book or anything like that. It's just like someone is chosen as the traitor, and now the game switches to someone's a traitor now, i.e. Battlestar Galactica. Yep. So we have no problem (laughs) playing Battlestar Galactica over and over and over and over again. But as soon as we apply the fact that there's a scenario there, it becomes this thing, well, well, let's do a different one. And this is where I'm, I want to <laughs> ask the question, is this a limiting factor or is this something that we can do more with? Because scenarios tend to allow us to write in story into the game before the game itself comes up with that story. Like the emergent story, you have that pre-story because the pre-story is part of the scenario. Like, do you have that same feeling where it's like, well, it's fine. If there's no scenarios, I'll play the same thing over and over. But if there is a scenario, then I might be biased. Sometimes I'll play the same one. Sometimes I'll want to try something different. Um, I mean, I think there's a place for both. Oh, there is, for sure. You know, and I'm, uh, obviously, because that's, you know, what the market is showing. People are buying both <laughs> kinds of games. Um, but I, I think with non-scenario-based games, you're more likely to see other randomness introduced into the game like in Battlestar Galactica you have um I feel like you Who's have crisis tr- crisis kind of stuff that comes up that sure. are different and the characters that everyone's playing are different and there's enough there but I guess you know that that does come up in some of these scenario games too so it's hard to say where is it enough that I would play the same scenario over and over and over again Versus I would, like, I need the variety to keep it interesting. I, I don't know where that line is. Well, so F- Fletcher, when you're playing Gloomhaven, have yeah. you ever played the same scenario twice? Yes. If we failed a scenario, we would go back and play it again. But, I mean, I don't think and we would actually go back and do a completed scenario. I've never done that. Right. Which is part of the rules. Like, you can go back and replay a scenario yeah, if you, you wanted to. You can you can play it over. But, you, yeah, once it's beat... And, and I think when I was, again, referring to Zombie Side, um, when I'm playing that, we play a scenario until we beat it, and then we move to the next one. And then that's the one we play. And then when I'm looking for another one, I just kind of flip through the book until I find one that we haven't played. And we'll play that. We might play a couple games in a night of the same scenario... If we lose, and we'll try it again. So it's like, okay, you've given us a challenge. Now we beat this challenge. And now let's move on. We treat it almost like the one and done games. Where it's like, okay, I beat that scenario. If I were to play it again, would it be as interesting? It's like you know, climbing Everest. I've never done that. But the people who do <laughs> tell me that the first time they do it because it hasn't been done before. They haven't done it before. The second time I was like, well, why would I do that? I've already done it. And I'm not comparing, I am, I am definitely comparing <laughs> Climbing Everest with playing scenario games. But I get a similar feeling where I'm like, I've already done that. Why would I do that again? I think I'm way more likely to replay a scenario if they are in some way randomly selected for me, rather than one that I pick out at the beginning of setup, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like Betrayal, it's triggered. There, It depends on what room you're in or 
you know, how things come up, what will be triggered and when things come up. And that feels random. I don't get a say in the matter. And that's kind of the same, you know, randomness that makes the same scenario games interesting, too, is with pandemic. You never know what cities are going to be infected to start with. You never know what's going to happen there. So it doesn't feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. It feels different enough. But, like, if I have to pick something out, it feels like I'm playing favorites. I'm, like, picking one based on my mood. I'm, like, there's too much decision making in picking the scenario, especially if I've already played them all before. I don't know. Like, if I have to pick... I'm less likely to repeat them. Yeah. So you you like Pandemic. You like Pandemic a lot, I do. right? I do. Okay. So let me redesign the game for you real quick. And <laughs> so so for the sake of the next couple minutes, assume that Pandemic doesn't exist as you know it today. Instead, you open up the Pandemic book and you're going to pick a scenario that has a certain number of cities already infected, um, a certain number of diseases that are already there. Different diseases are going to require a different number of cards to solve them. And it's essentially a variable setup, a starting point that you're going to start. And I call this, you know, pandemic number one, scenario one, because I'm very creative, scenario one through 10. <laughs> I give you 10 scenarios in the base book. Are you going to play scenario one over and over and over? Or are you going to go through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? I'm going to play 1 till I beat it. I'm going to play 2 till I beat it. I'm going to play 3 till I beat it. Yeah. <laughs> and now, so on. scenario 1 is nothing starts infected, all the viruses are equal, and it's exactly the setup of, of pandemic. But now, because there's a scenario progression there, that particular version of the game it's called becomes pandemic less interesting. Right. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you ultimately, just yes. Pandemic, pandemic legacy <laughs> just for me. Design pandemic legacy. But be- and for me, that's exactly what happened. Is once I played through Pandemic Legacy, which was a fantastic experience, I couldn't go back and play Pandemic. I beat that. I beat that scenario, and I was yeah. done doing that. And I will actually say that since we beat Pandemic Legacy season one, I don't really play Pandemic with many people anymore i mostly play it as a solo experience on my ipad or um like i'll teach other people how to play it like i i'll set it up for um my youth group or i'll set it up with um people who are just learning games because i do think it's a really good intro co-op game i think it's really fun it's pretty easy for people to pick up and um it's a really fun one for me to kind of step back and let other people play and I can kind of help with board management and not feel like I have to jump in anymore because I feel like I've done a lot. Like, I don't need to be the one in charge of Pandemic yeah. anymore. I've done that. So yeah. so with that in mind, is having a scenario-based game a detriment to the game where you can actually get to the point where you run out of scenarios and now you're done playing it? No, because I think... It's like the legacy thing. I I will play all of the scenarios through. I want to complete it. And I will get more gameplay out of that, beating all the scenarios, than I would have probably just playing it on its own because I would, you know, play it four times, be like, okay, I've got a handle on this, you know. It's fun, but I'd like to try something different. Whereas with a legacy game or a scenario game, I'm like, well, I have to play all the scenarios. So I'm going to play it more times. So you jumped to my point, which <laughs> so, which I, I do think is true to the point where um, 
Zombicide's a hard one. I'm going to switch over to Cthulhu Death May Die now because I'm far more passionate about this game. <laughs> With Cthulhu did, Death May Die. And, and, well, and, and I just wanted to throw out, I put some foundation down. But Cthulhu Death May Die was the first scenario-based game where after I played a scenario with with a particular Elder God, I'm like, I want to play that scenario again. I'm going to choose a different Elder God. And then it got to the point where it's like, I want to play that scenario again with the same Elder God. Even though I won, I would do that again. It was a fun enough experience where if I just played episode one with Cthulhu every single time, I think I could play a dozen games of that and still have fun each time. I haven't tried it yet, um, but I think I could. Like, it, it doesn't... I don't have that same feeling of, oh, I don't want to do this, which I think kind of plays back into what pandemic feels like for a lot of people, where it is essentially the same. There's only, you know, one scenario versus multiple scenarios, but people love that scenario and they want to play it over and over again because there's variability in what happens in the game. And that's what makes it interesting. But I do think that for most scenario based games, I have a harder time thinking that way. For example, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, I would never... I don't think I could go back and replay Gloomhaven. Mostly because there's too much gameplay there. You know, I've already played hundreds of hours. Um, but, but but even Arcadia Quest. Arcadia Quest is five scenarios in a campaign. After I play through a campaign of Arcadia Quest, I'm ready to play a different campaign. And there's enough campaigns where, you know, I can play like 30 games and never play the same scenario twice. But I don't have any ambition to go back and play a campaign that I've already played. Even though I can mix up the characters and all of that, I just don't feel that. However, if that was just a random setup game, I'd want to play it all the time. And it's just, it's fascinating to me, like the mindset there. Are you guys reading Matt's Yeah, comment? Matt wrote us a novel yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read it, so you guys will have to summarize it to me. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just, it's interesting to me what a scenario game does to my personal psyche. And I, I don't know, again, I find that the emails tell me that I am the, in the minority and Kitty and Fletcher are right about everything. Not always, <laughs> just you. <laughs> but Fletcher, would you go back? Uh, Gloomhaven's a bad example for this because it's just, there's too much content there. Um, but imagine it's just like a 10 scenario game for Gloomhaven. Would you go back and play those t- same 10 scenarios over again to try um, out a different character? I like I may I might do that I'm not I'm not sure it's hard to like imagine Gloomhaven only being like you know a tenth of how long it is or something like that with like as many characters like it's hard to imagine that game but I would say on on your larger point like if if you were to imagine Pandemic with only like 10 scenarios and you pick one from the book it's like does that make it would you go back and replay those scenarios does it make it like a worse game I would say for like maybe more of the uninitiated um person that's just getting into board games like having only like 10 scenarios that can be kind of like a turnoff like oh like i can only play this 10 times like when you first told me about legacy games and you're like yeah you only play it once and i was like you only play the game once like why would you want to buy a (laughs) game like that it didn't make sense and you're like yeah i mean it's like, well, I guess you could play it again, but you can't really because it asks you to like rip up cards and like throw things away and there's <laughs> stickers you put on the board. And to me, I'm like, you're like ruining this game. You only play it once. And if you want to play it again, you have to buy like another $50 <laughs> copy. That's insane. But that was, you know, way back many, many years ago. And now it makes perfect sense. <laughs> back when I was yeah. young and naive. Back when I was young and naive. 
But like now, that's not like a turnoff <laughs> anymore. So I could see how that could be a potential turnoff to more uninitiated players when really it's it may not be. So Matt's point, which I think I completely agree with here, is that when you're replaying scenarios, you're more likely to have similar, if not the same, outcomes. So even if, you know, things don't turn out exactly the same, they will turn out pretty similar, especially if you're playing with the same kind of characters, the same board setup. Um, and a lot of other games without the scenario component make sure that there's enough randomization to make sure that each game feels unique, whereas scenario games can count on the scenarios to do that. Um, so playing the same scenario two times in a row is like watching a movie two times in a row. Whereas, you know, if you let time pass between it, maybe you'll enjoy watching that movie or playing that scenario again. Yeah. And so I'm hearing that scenario-based games are a lazy way of adding variation into a game. And I, I use lazy very relaxedly. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's lazy because a lot of them put a lot of extra work into building creative and fun scenarios, especially ones where you're supposed to play the scenarios in an arc that create a story that draw you through. Those can be so much more interesting. And some like some legacy games really do a good job of unfolding the story and campaign games do the same thing of really drawing you in and and using your actions to further the story events. And it, it's really... Um, yeah, to Terrence's point here, RPGs are the first scenario games. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so we'll touch on that in a second, but I, I generally <laughs> agree that it, it does take more time and effort from the designer's point of view to make a scenario that's interesting. Um, so I'm not really saying it as a lazy, again, I was using it very softly. Yeah. Um, but a game that doesn't have scenarios it has to have enough other things to keep it interesting that you want to play that over and over again because you mm-hmm. don't have that scenario to kind of mix things up. I I do think, though, that there's always kind of like you can play out a game, you know? it There's nothing magical about these non-scenario games that make them stay interesting forever. You know, you're going to get sick of playing Pandemic if it's all you ever play. And... Sure, it'll take you longer to get sick of Pandemic Legacy, but you, you know, or maybe not. It's hard to say which if you're playing it, you know, if you're calling playing it once, playing all 12 scenarios, then yeah, it's going to take you more time to get sick of it, but also less time because the scenarios are more interesting. You know, I don't, I I lost my thread here, but I think you get what I'm saying. (laughs) So one of the things that was interesting, because so when I when you think about campaign and legacy games, I completely agree that the scenarios that make up those campaigns or legacy help propel the story. Like it's it's an integral part of those types of things. When Cthulhu Death May Die first came out, it was Rob Davio and Eric Lang. Like Eric Lang had done a number of campaign games. Davio is like the creator of legacy games. He is like, and they came out and saying. They're like, this is not a campaign game. This is not a legacy game. This is a standalone scenario in each one. And I remember being so disappointed in that. I'm like, these are two of the biggest board game designers in the industry. And they're moving away from their specialty. They're moving away from being like, there should be a compelling storyline here. And this should be like, dive towards that character development, campaign development. I want all of it. And they're like, no, 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 it's just a scenario game. 
I don't think they said it was just, word, just a scenario. <laughs> it's it was like just no, just a scenario yep. game. <laughs> yep. Um, and then it came out, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see, I see what's going on here. And the reason for this specific game is you set up a scenario, and at the end, if half the group hasn't died, you haven't done it right. <laughs> Like the whole point of this, not the whole point, but like a major point of the fun of this is to set yourself up to do these dramatic sacrifices to save the world. And in a campaign game, you can't do that. No. But these standalone (laughs) scenario games, you can absolutely do that because it's like, it's like a one shot at a role playing convention. You know, it's play that character like you stole it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't, you don't care that it goes on to the next campaign because it's, he's not, there is no next scenario to play. This is his heyday. This is his save the world moment. You know, I like that. And I, I do think there's, you know, there's a place for both kinds of games and they're, they're both really interesting. It's like watching, you know, something that's really episodic versus something that has, you know, a story that goes through a season. If you're talking about TV shows, so it's like, you know, yeah, watching all these, you know, Netflix dramas that tell a story over 10 episodes is great. But at the same time, like, I love Law and Order and I love wrapping up the mystery in 45 minutes or less. Well, like, there's well, something like great Mirror, about that. <laughs> right? Black mirrors are standalone things. And each yeah, one of like them, them, they don't much. have to. Well, sure. But I mean, the the point I'm getting at is they're not related to each other. (laughs) Yeah. So each one can have its own story and the characters, anything can happen to those characters. And you're just engaged with them for that one time. And the writers aren't restricted to, oh, I have to keep this character around because the actors really liked or whatever. Right. I think it's the same thing with scenario games where it's like, just burn out those characters. Do what you need to do. Some games don't do it well. Some some games, you know, like, honestly, I don't think Zombicide does it well. I think Zombicide, they set up the scenarios and you're kind of going through the motions because you like killing aliens or zombies or whatever the case might be. But you're not as attached to those characters. Other games really do it very well. Cthulhu is one of them. Um, I, I threw out another couple here, like uh, Horrified is a semi-scenario game. You're going to choose the monsters you play in Horrified. And you're running around the town. We just played this with Sydney's parents for Mother's Day. And you're running around the town trying to take out these universal movie monsters. And there's a story that comes out of it. And because it's not a campaign thing, you know, you're going against Frankenstein and Frankenstein's bride and the mummy. We played, that's literally what we played for Mother's Day because the mummy and, you know, Frankenstein's bride. But, um, (laughs) but we were engaged with that story and we didn't care that there wasn't something else coming up and we play it again we'll play dracula and wolfman and that will be its own story that it's its own interesting thing would we play the mummy and frankenstein again maybe because we lost um (laughs) but after that we probably wouldn't we'd probably at least add in a third monster right to vary it up a little bit as opposed to saying, okay, let's do the same thing. But I like what they can do with that, with those kind of, I don't know. I've grown an appreciation for scenario games, I think is what I've realized. Yeah, and um, Terrence points out that, you know, if you're looking at the return on investment, a lot of these scenario games will see more table play because you want to discover all the scenarios. You're playing the game, it's getting to the table more often because of the kind of discoverability aspect of it. Um, whereas a lot of games that, you know, are not your super popular, it's not Azul, it's not Wingspan, it's not, you know, 
name one of the other Board Game Geek Top 5 games. They're not getting to the table that often. You know, you play it two, three times. That's a success. How many games are sitting on your shelves, Chris, that have never made it to the table? Well, not as many these days, but there's still very few that have made it to the table twice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. So we're going to address a couple comments in chat. Um, First is, so Michael mentioned that playing the same scenario with different people can vary it up. I 100% agree. We just did this with Cthulhu Death May Die, where Sydney and I had played scenario one, but none of the other people we play with had played it before. So we're like, eh, let's throw this out there again, because it's new to at least one person in the group, and it makes it a new and interesting thing. And even if you say, okay, we have to worry about this, or this could be a problem here, you still have a new voice to try to figure out how to handle that situation. Um now, Matt is, and he's breaking our rule, but it's a rule for Fletcher and Kitty, so Matt's allowed to break it. <laughs> he says, I don't know if I would call Horrified a scenario game. More variable setup, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Matt, I'm going to respectfully, completely disagree with you. Um, and this is why. It's not named scenarios, but the rulebook specifically says, choose the monsters you want to fight against. You can fight against two, three, or four, depending on your difficulty, and there's a limited number of combinations of monsters. Therefore, there's a limited number of scenarios. So I'm just, I am going to call that a scenario game for what we're talking about. I think that's be- right. <laughs> I know, but that's, well, that's, that's all right. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I say, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things line. where it's really easy to get into definitions on, on that. Yeah. Cause um, I feel like we haven't talked nearly enough about the one and done <laughs> scenario games. Which I can be a huge fan of, but speaking of return on investment, whew. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the one and dones are almost their own kind of scenarios. Yeah. It, it it's they're more mystery yeah. solving than they are like yeah. I don't know. Like you're usually trying to uncover information in some sort of time limited fashion. Um, yeah, I would say so. The one and dones are on on the spectrum of scenario games. If we're talking about how replayable scenario is, the one and dones are this is replayable once, like not even that. It's replayable zero. You can play it once. You can play it one time. You're never yeah. gonna. Yeah. Whereas as you go to the other side, like a zombicide scenario, you can play the same one over and over and over and over again. Find one you like and just keep playing it because there's nothing. There's so much variability in the dice. That it doesn't matter that you're or picking whatever the same other scenario. mechanic it is, depending on the game. Yeah, so I'm, so there's that that wide spectrum. Um, I'm wondering, but I think it's easy to. Of, s- yeah. Sorry, I was just wondering. A lot of these scenario games, uh, since I haven't played most of them except for maybe like Gloomhaven and um, Kingdom Death, uh, I know in those two games there is like a randomizer kind of way to play. You can you can play that way. Uh, like in Gloomhaven, you can say, like, I want to set up a random dungeon, and there's rules to set up that kind of random dungeon, random encounter. Do a lot of the g- other games you guys are talking about also have those kind of rules? So I'm going to go down the list that I have here. Zombieside, no. Cthulhu, no. I I noted Cloudspire as its single-player and co-op mode is a scenario-based game. No. Uh, Funcoverse, no. Undaunted, no. Um, uh... Arcadia Quest, no. Arkham Horror, no. I would say generally, no. Generally, having a variable, um, if it's a scenario-based game, it is it is what it is. And if there's a scenario generator, it's the exception, probably not the rule. At least okay. based on the, on the stuff that I've noted here. Yeah. Hmm. So I also noted things like um, 
Marvel Champions being a scenario game because you're choosing the villain you're going to fight against. That also works against uh, or works for Aeon's End, um, Sentinels of the Multiverse, all these games where you're like choosing the master villain and you're going to be fighting against that master villain. Um, but the I think Legendary Encounters? The Legendary Series, yeah. Legendary Encounters is the co-op version, definitely scenario-based, or at least the ones that I've played. And Legendary itself is also, as a semi-co-op, is also, I would say, a scenario against. You're picking something to fight against. Um, and if you were, if you agree with me that Legendary is a scenario game, then you definitely agree with me that Horrified is a scenario game. Well, but- I didn't say Legendary. I said Legendary <laughs> Encounters. <laughs> it's different. Because, <laughs> um, I mean... It's you're choosing what you want to fight against, and you can choose the same thing over and over if you wanted to. For me, variable setup, and again, I I break my own For me, variable setup is a random setup. Um, it's not a choice setup. That I think that's the fundamental difference between variable setup and and um. So like when you're talking about Gloomhaven, that scenario system to generate one, that is not actually a scenario. It is a variable setup mechanic. They're calling it a scenario, but ultimately you're right. just, you're randomly putting things together yeah i'm calling so, it a scenario I think, um, maybe they call it a scenario but yeah it's just a it's just a randomizer yeah. dungeon dungeon yeah. randomizer yeah and someone mentioned um in the chat that you know scenario has a story that goes along with it and while typically i would agree oftentimes those stories are so loose that if you're going to say that a paragraph of text is make something a scenario versus random setup. Um, it's a hard one to sell in a lot of cases. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, even Cthulhu Death May Die, the story is about four sentences long. And it's usually something snarky like Cthulhu or uh, cultists doing their cultist thing again, trying to summon another god. Guess we should go stop him. Like, that's literally the story to these scenarios. Um, but no one would argue that it's not a scenario game, even though there's very little story there. I think you develop the plot, though, with your actions in those scenarios. Like 100%. Yeah. And and that, you know, this might be something, I don't know, I might need to get Spencer to play some more scenario games. This might be what he is actually really looking for in games. Because I would say one of his, like, absolute favorite games is Battlestar Galactica. And one of his favorite parts of it is creating the storyline that our actions would lead, like, come from. <laughs> I, <laughs> he, I summoned I, I, him. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were watching live right now, you would see Spencer stick his head through the door <laughs> behind Kitty. Um, I honestly Beetle think juice, Spencer Beetle would juice, love... Juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he would love Cthulhu Death May Die. There's just, like, there's so much there. So, all yeah, right, and we have he's a few less minutes. apt to dislike something just because it's trendy the way that I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know that it's actually is trendy. I think it's an underrated Cthulhu game. If is, I was doing a list, Cthulhu is so well, trendy. Okay, the genre, yes, uh, and, and it's and the Simon thing is, plus Cthulhu, and I just can't. <laughs> Uh, this is the first. Well, all right, fine. You don't like Simon or Cthulhu, fine. But together, <laughs> it's gold. It's negative really one times negative one equals a, a plus one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, you more and more scenario games, and you had to pick the right one, like Undaunted, yeah. which is that head-to-head scenario, which I have sitting in our house. I think I have your comp copy of undaunted normandy sitting i gifted it to you because i also have a copy here so um (laughs) 
What? You I bought think two is- copies of the same game? How weird. It happens like that sometimes. I knew Fletcher would, or not Fletcher, Spencer would probably like it. So oh, it's the first time you've done that in a while. I know, I know, I know. But I, <laughs> I figured he would actually like it, so um, I got that for you guys to. We have to get it to the out. table. Um, but even Call things like free time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> semi, yeah, free time. Uh, kids, it's amazing. I, I keep yeah. telling myself that after a few years. And they can do their own thing. It'll be a little better. But I don't know. I remember being a kid. I'm not sure it will be. Um, <laughs> anyway, what I, I, I don't know. Like I say, I just think it's an interesting thing to think about where... And the question I put at the opening was essentially, are they a boon or a bust? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> we need to get you. Can, an can you do more? It sounds like you don't even yeah, have you, question. Can you do more with a scenario game, or is it a limiting factor? And it sounds to me like yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is limiting, but you can do more. It it's it has its place in the hobby. Yeah, yeah, I. I think it's the question should be: know. Is it a problem? <laughs> is it a problem? No, <laughs> no, no. Not, well, not necessarily. <laughs> so, some of the responses to this is uh, depends on the game and how it's being set up. Uh, if done well and enough are offered, it is a good thing. If done poorly, it's a bust. Um, and then the last is like, what do you want from the game? Right? If you're looking for a game, you can just play over and over and over. Maybe just having a single scenario, which is a typical most games have, um, maybe that's the right choice because, you know, you give yourself some variable setup, draw tiles from a bag, place things in a different order, or whatever the case may be. So I know more and more legacy, um, especially legacy scenario style games in the same box, um, are making it so that you play through a certain number of scenarios and then you have a unique board that you can keep playing with a random setup. Um, and I wonder if it would be of a benefit to more scenario games to have a like base scenario that is like the base game. And then you can like add in these other scenarios. So like your pandemic example earlier in the show where scenario one is what we think of as regular pandemic. And you can always go back to that because some of the legacy games, you know, you you have to play so many times before you get to that replayability of random scenario promise where it might be nice to be able to set up yeah because every year a new pandemic comes out which is basically just a different scenario on pandemic (laughs) so like they've (laughs) they've kind of done that um so let's quickly talk rpgs for a second um where they do have this scenario (laughs) thing it's like you, you literally call them scenarios i think that an rpg although it can be a one and done you typically wouldn't play the same scenario more than once. There are some stuff in Adventurers League or just like organized play where playing the same scenario over is something you might do with different characters. But this leads me, and I'm just going to mention that real quick. It leads me to the scenarios where anything, there's something for you to figure out. So the one and dones are obvious, right? Time stories, um, any of the detective games, those types of things. Escape, escape rooms. rooms. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, um, and again, I'm going to go back to the games that I play, Cthulhu and Arkham Horror, the living card game. These are things where the first time you play them, you don't know what's coming up. 
the next time you play them, you're playing something different because now you know what's coming up and you can optimize your characters and your choices for what you know is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So replaying something is a way of optimizing your playthrough. Yeah. So like, say you're playing a scenario with a werewolf and the first time you go through, nobody has any silver weapons and you all die. Well, of course, if you play it again, everyone's going to come in there like, oh, I just happen to be this specialty. All of my weapons have the alchemical silver property, (laughs) you know. Exactly. It's going to break this. And then you kill them in two rounds. And is is that even fun? (laughs) Well, but a lot of these games, that is sort of the object. If you look at something like Marvel Champions, um, this is the newest LCG from Fantasy Flight. You choose a villain, you choose your heroes, and you take your heroes against that villain. Part of that game is how can I make a team amongst each person normally controls one character, but how can I make a group of characters that can take out this villain? And now that they've done it, what do I need to change to take this villain out in hard mode or extreme mode? And it is part of the game is to optimize your character build to take out the challenge presented in front of you, the scenario presented in front of you. And I mean, Time Stories is the same way, where at least the I haven't played any of the newer ones, but the first series of Time Stories, the whole point is to discover and then be able to discover quickly to discover more. And like, you know where you're going, you know what's happening. You know, it. there's... Yeah. Well, it, it builds that concept into yeah. the game. Yeah. yeah, and it's great. And the way they do it makes so much sense. But in a role-playing game, it makes no sense for you to, for your character to have knowledge that the player has, necessarily. Right, right, because it, it breaks it's the breaking story. The ga- it's breaking the story, yeah. 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 So, and, and you have that in a scenario game, you have the story aspect of it, and then you have the optimization aspect of it. I And there are some games um, where it's like, I want to play in easy mode because I just want to experience the story. Or I want to play in hard mode because I want to optimize the mechanics. And there's some there's interesting things there for both sides. I think if you're just playing it for the story, you're likely going to play it once, get that story, and you've, you're satisfied with it. If you want to optimize the mechanics, you may play it many times over to experiment with different ways of beating that scenario. Um and there's something there for everybody in that case. You look perplexed. I'm getting kicked. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have a comment. You were just getting kicked from the I'm inside. Just, that's just that's getting, fair, too. Just getting kicked. <sighs> oh, such sharp, tiny feet. <laughs> <sighs> well, maybe on that note. <laughs> um, hold, the baby has decided. We're done. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Mom, go to sleep. We've had enough. Uh, let's see. Let's last comments here. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> David mentioned that have they slowed down to once a year? I thought there was a new pandemic every month. Um, there are pandemic challenges that come out every month. I think so. It's not. And I too think wrong those are there. like our scenarios, basically. Oh yeah, I think they are. Uh, yep. That's how um, you do like the competitive like competitive pandemic is a set deck, and they tell you what you yeah. draw. Um, Terrence mentioned that, you know, playing against like Marvel champions, uh, you get your money's worth, right? You spend $15 on this, on this villain or whatever it is. I think it's $20 for the villains. Um, you want to be able to play it with all your different heroes to kind of get your money's worth. How will this Spider-Man take out, uh, 
the wrecking crew versus Captain America plus Iron Man, you know, like, yeah, you want to experiment with those things if you like the game. If you don't, then it's like, well, I like the Marvel art, so I'll just buy the cards anyway. Or you're (laughs) smarter than I am. And you're like, I don't think I'm going to like that game. So I'm just not going to buy it. Pass. I'll spend (laughs) my money on a different game. (laughs) Now, Marvel Champions actually is one that I travel with. So back, you know, in the before times where you would travel, um, I would bring Marvel Champions <laughs> <laughs> on business trips. And because it was very, very easy to port, you pick your villain, you pick whatever heroes you want, and that's all you got to travel with. Ooh, I'm putting um, Maiden's Quest might be a scenario game. Nope. Because you, you're just shuffling and playing, no, right? No, you pick your villain, you pick your princess, you pick your um, gowns, yeah. you set up your deck I, at the beginning. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're picking things, if you're picking what if horrified you're doing, is scenario, Maiden's Quest counts too. Yeah. No, I will agree. I think if you're picking the things that you're going to be going up against. Yep. And the setup is picked and not pulled. That I'm going to trademark that. Sure. Um, drawn. Then, I would go with. <laughs> yeah, drawn. Yeah. Randomly done. Um, then yeah, you could basically be considered a scenario game because the the real key is. Are you going to pick the same thing twice in a row? And if you do, why? Typically, probably because you lost the first time and you want to try it again. And if you don't... I feel like only if you lose by like just a little bit. Yeah. You have to be close <laughs> to winning. If you're nowhere near it, you're like, forget it. But if you're close to winning, that's when you're like, oh, I just want to try it again. So the question that just popped up is Mysterium a scenario game then? Um, I don't think so because the group itself isn't making the decisions it's the one person so in, in mysterium one person is picking uh essentially the who did it with what those types of things and then everyone else has to try to figure out what that is and is it is, is mysterium even a picked but even if it is it's not like the group is picking it Eh, Matt says that you pick the number of cards that ramp up difficulty. I don't think that the difficulty makes a scenario game. So, for example, <laughs> Pandemic is not a scenario game, regardless of the number of epidemics you have in the deck. Even though you're going to pick that. Do we need to that. go back and read the bold text, Chris? Oh, we're past the one hour, so now I can... <laughs> now the rules are all broken. <laughs> Does that mean I can go to bed now? <laughs> no, you got to read the credits tonight. Oh, no. This is what I get for skipping a week. (laughs) All right. So, like I say, this is an interesting conversation. If you guys have questions on this, now's your chance to write in. (laughs) This is where you can ask, is XYZ a scenario game? And it'll count. It'll enter you into our contest. So, the way the contest is working, (laughs) it's not a contest. It's a basically just a questions and giveaway. Yeah. Um, You have until Sunday to send us in questions. That's May 17th and of 2020. And we our next live episode will be Monday, 8.30. We are going to take all of the emails that sent us questions, and you will be put onto a spreadsheet, along with everyone who's in the Zoom chat at the time. And we are going to pick two people to win uh, $50 Amazon or Cool Stuff Inc. gift cards of the people who submitted questions. And of course, we're going to answer a bunch of those questions. Um, patrons are not automatically entered, but if you email us, you're obviously entered there. We're going to do a separate drawing for patrons, though, and whoever on the patron list wins will get my copy of Tang Garden with, I think, all of the extras from the Kickstarter. Um, unless you're international, and then we'll deal with something at that point. But it's going to be drawn live. Everyone is going to see the spreadsheet as it happens, 
And so it should be fun. Join us next week, Monday, 8.30 Central Time on Zoom, if you want to be part of that. Everyone who's in, I I think I already said that, I'm going to say it again. Everyone who's in the Zoom chat at the time of the drawing will be entered as well. And so it'll be a fun night to be here. You get to throw stuff in the chat and distract us as we're we're talking and and doing all that stuff. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Top Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Uh, leave us some iTunes reviews because those are always fun and cool. And you can be a patron at TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon. And remember, Fletcher doesn't want me to tell you that if you want to enter the Tang Garden <laughs> contest, just patron us for like five minutes at two bucks and you're in. And then... Uh, you can cancel anytime. This is why Table we don't make money talk. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Chris tells you how to cheat the system. <clears throat> Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, but I don't know if they're proud of us. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, the SGC, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, John P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Bradkey, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Nate, Baz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wilkowiak, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Raxted, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, and Charles Pearson. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So my giant Cthulhu, I am tempted to set up the scenario and play it myself with all five characters before I get to play it with my normal group, but I think they would shoot me if I did that. <laughs> you just want to suck up all that fun for yourself? I do. I want all the Cthulhu fun. <laughs>